Can you believe it? It's the month of February, and the month of February is the month of the Holy Family. In January, we uh, celebrated the month as Catholics, the month of the Holy Name of Jesus. But in February, we turn to the entire Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. We love you, save souls. This special devotion, which proposes the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, as the model of virtue of all Christian households. This tradition began in the 17th century. My name is Jesse Romero. I am on duty. Terry, what about you? I'm on duty, brother, but I like it when you say you're the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because that's what we are. We're lovers of God. Yeah. And I'm the Lebanese yeah. lover of our yeah. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jess, this is a special day, right? It's the presentation of the Lord, February 2nd. This was originally celebrated in the Eastern churches. And in the 6th century, we began to celebrate it in the West. So the right lung and the left lung working together. But uh, we'll talk more about that when we get to the gospel. Today, got a special guest. Every Wednesday, for those who are brand new to the Terry and Jesse show, we get Michael Voris from Church Militant or one of his representatives to come on and talk about the uh, Church Militant news that's coming up. And uh, But today, we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic, uh, the coming age of artificial intelligence. Uh, it's a leap into the unknown, so be careful. Also, top doctors calling on employers to reinstate unvaccinated workers and apologize for them. Why? Because we found out we should have never done that. That's why. And <laughs> if you think about it right now, Jesse, in our culture, seven out of 10 Americans say it's time to accept COVID here and just move on. So people are tired of all these restrictions. Move on. Also, just for your good to know file. British children are up to 52 times more likely to die following a COVID shot. Mm. That's what the government... So be careful when they try and tell you, don't, don't do it. And I'll just be honest with you. I wouldn't um, want my grandson or my children when they were young be, to be vaccinated by this COVID. And then, as I said, Michael uh, Voris will be coming on to talk about the news and much, much more. We've got some good news stories coming. Jess, how about the best good news story? It's called Some Soul Food, the Gospel. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, mm -hmm. verses 22 to 40. Mm -hmm. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, this man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel. What's the consolation of Israel? The, the coming of the Messiah. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, that means in power and holiness, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And glory for your people Israel. I'm going to stop here. This moment was was an, an earthquake in, in, in the salvation history. Mm -hmm. And Simeon 
this righteous man, this righteous, devout Jew, Simeon, he was the one whose eyes gazed upon the baby, knew it was the Messiah, and knew that he was holding in his hands the fulfillment of what the Jews has been expecting for over a thousand years, well over a thousand years. Wow. And so this is a moment in salvation history when the angels, you could see, are saying glory to God that the Messiah is here. He's born into the world. And now we enter into the sixth and final covenant. We continue. Wow. Now, Master, uh, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples. A light for revelation for, for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. So notice. Both Jew and Gentile are supposed to come become united under the Messiah. Wow. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. By the way, Anybody who truly follows Jesus Christ in this world will be a sign of contradiction. Uh, you will take incoming from your enemy. Yep. And that's just part of being a, a follower of Christ. You're a sign of contradiction. And, and Simeon says about uh, the, the baby Jesus. And you yourself, a sword will pierce. So he's prophesying that our Lord would be uh, stuck in the side at the cross by by Longinus, the soldier who later became Saint Longinus, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So, what's he also saying here, Mary? You're going to be pierced as well. Why? Because in 33 years you will stand at the foot of the cross, and your heart will be pierced by seeing what the world is going to do to your son. As your son is physically pierced, you will be mystically and spiritually pierced. It says, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage. And then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward that at, at that very time. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Israel. By the way, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of Terry Fanuels in our church. You think? Da daughters of Fanuels. I'm telling you, we have like holy Catholic laywomen in all oh, these yeah. parishes that are just, just like this woman. Yep. That they, they pray day and night in the temple. That's right. Uh, and, and they worship God day and night and they fast and they're widows. God bless these women that, that are the, the prayer power in our church in many instances. Then at last paragraph, it says, When they had all fulfilled all the prescription of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. That's a hundred mile walk, by the way. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and with the favor of God was upon him the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Terry, the yep. child, Jesus Christ grew in age and wisdom and grace, in his human nature through experiential knowledge. That's right. But he always had the beatific vision yep. Yep. and he always had infused knowledge. And so uh, he ne there was never a time where he didn't know that he was not God. Exactly. And you know, Jesse, uh, we have a series by Father Brian Milady on that topic, the knowledge of Christ. And it's a 13 week show 
on that topic. If anybody ever wants to really get into that issue, you can get it from us. Hey, uh, Jess, I want to bring the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop Sheen. Mm -hmm. Full Sheen ahead. And here's the thing about Bishop Sheen. He, hey, I knew that whistle would that whistle would come. They're running late. I've never had Bishop Sheen on a train with the same saint two days in a row. But today we will. St. John Bosco is there with Bishop Sheen because what he told Sheen is so important for all of us here, especially after the Spiritual Warfare Conference. He said, there are two things the devil is deadly afraid of, fervent communions and frequent visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Jesse, I think of that as a protection of my family and of myself. I mean, how hard is it for me to go over to the chapel right now after Mass or after this show and just make a little visit praising God? And did that. I went to Mass this morning there, and, you know, I thought of that. What a great grace that I am. Now, for those who can't go to a church and make it really difficult, I understand you're far away. But for many of us, it's only a five or ten minute drive. I'm sure, Jesse, how far away is the, the church from your house? Five Thank minutes. You. Yeah, see, most of us say that, okay? Now, Jess, you, we just finished the Spiritual Warfare Conference over the weekend, and people are still registering to get recordings of all that, and they can still do that with Father Chad Ripperger and his crew by going to vmpr.org, and we'll send you a link of all the talks. But Jess, this quote from Don Bosco, I've heard, th I've heard exorcists, Say that that the that the devil is deadly afraid of people going to have a fervent communions and frequent visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Why is that so scary? Why does that really? Um, what what makes the devil afraid of that? I'll quote I'll quote two giants: mm -hmm. a recent giant and an old giant. Okay, uh, Father Antonio Fortea, the exorcist of Navarre, Spain, yep. a, a, a theological giant in this field. Mm -hmm. And St. John Chrysostom, mm -hmm. doctor of the church in the 4th century. Both of them say yep. that the reason that the Holy Eucharist and the reception of Holy Communion at the Mass, the consecration, yep. or in adoration, the reason this causes demons to flee is because the demons don't see a sacred host. What they see is the blood of Jesus. Awesome. And it's the blood of Jesus, Revelation chapter 12, that causes these demons to flee and it causes them pain. It is the blood of Jesus that's in the sacred host that makes that uh, that causes them uh, torment and torture and uh, and it just drives them away. Well said. When we come back, we're going to talk about a topic called the coming age of artificial intelligence. It's a leap unto the unknown, but we're going to say be very careful. And again, uh, we have a special guest coming on the fourth segment, Michael Vorst, to talk about the news at Church Militant. You won't want to miss that. Don't forget, get those Spiritual Warfare Conference recordings all weekend long. They're available by going to vmpr.org or call us at 877 Five two six two one five one. I like to tell the world that Jesse and I are too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd both be billionaires. Stay with us, family. We have more to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Jesse, before we begin, I just thought something after the break, and I just jump right in. Think of the thousands and thousands of hours of adoration that didn't take place the last two years because of COVID. 
Think of what that gave Satan. It, de- it definitely gave him uh, an upper hand and all these demons. Yeah. And that's why they bumped up their game. And that's why, again, <laughs> there's a Satan after school program, Satan coloring book, yep. selling satanic statues in Walmart, Target. Right. right. Satanists are going to have a conference here in Scottsdale. Tell us I, about I mean, it, it is just, Terry, it is just off the charts. And you're, and you're, you're right. Because prayer power has has been compromised exactly. and removed, exactly. and in many and in many places, they're still not fully open yet. No, and so wherever you have a diminish, uh, the diminished projection of sacramental grace into the cosmos, that's going to cause a vacuum for Satan, and that's exactly what we're seeing right now, Terry. Let, let me give the analogy. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's like gasoline in your car. If you can't get gasoline in your car, you break down. It can't go. If you can't have prayer, especially the adoration that you were having, it affects your spiritual life in a very negative way, and it affects the, the whole cosmos because of that, what Jess just said. All right, Jess, let's get to this new article. This is incredible what's happening. Yep, you got to be careful because the coming age of artificial intelligence, what people call AI, AI yep. is a leap into the unknown. Absolutely. The age of artificial intelligence is coming, and the oracles of this future our warning of a major paradigm shift. You know, usually we take such messages with a grain of salt because they often touch on science fiction. However, there's a recent book. It's called The Age of AI and Our Human Future. Uh, This book should probably be taken seriously. It was released in 2021. It was written by two tech-savvy authors, Google's Eric Schmidt, and MIT's Daniel Hutton Lotcher. So both these men are joined by the disturbing figure of former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, which changes the focus. So, the book is about technology and where AI will take the world politically, culturally, and even militarily. Mm. Now, Dr. Kissinger's contribution is unsettling because of his past role in the ill-fated Vietnam Peace Treaty and the West's embrace of communist China. His globalist insights about uh, about AI are both credible and chilling. Oof. He's been around the block, Terry. Incredible. You know, Jesse, if it's a careful reading of the book, I have not read the book. I'm reading this article, and I'm like, wow, it's incredible. The author takes great pain not to exaggerate the power of AI beyond that of human creation. They develop their arguments calmly with the context of the current developments. This is not science fiction. Continue, Jess. However, both these authors, uh, the one from Google, one from MIT, they insinuate that all of us humans should get on board with the coming changes, mm-hmm. lest we become marginalized. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, what's that mean, brother? Yeah, what is, that? <laughs> is that the first century equivalent of... Unless you take the mark of the beast on yeah, your hand and on your forehead, you will not be able to buy or sell. Yeah. I mean, seriously, Terry, that's what I'm... I know, that, I'm going yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> so the present crossroads yeah. are painted with historical drama and mystery. AI is not just a new phase of a technical revolution. Literally, the human race is entering into a new era comparable to and even exceeding the enlightenment that's a big statement jess because that flipped 
a Western civilization for the worst, Harry. It, 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 we, we went south at, yeah. after the Enlightenment. That's true. And so these authors are saying... It's even worse. This is even worse than that. So AI, these authors are saying, will change how humanity sees itself. It will be messy and risky. But from a Catholic perspective, the article makes three telltale points. Right. And we'll, we'll go through them. These, t- these points stand out that indicate that the age of AI should be a cause for grave moral concern for Catholics and people of faith. And, and Jesse, the first point he makes, I thought it was really a good one, might be called its post-rational perspective. Most modern errors, listen to this, most modern errors reject the Catholic notion of supremacy of reason, illuminated by faith, since it is restricts the action of unfettled passions. Modern philosophers find different ways to escape reason and embrace fantasies. <laughs> Called liberals. Yes. Yeah. David Hume went so far as to say, are you ready for this, Jess? <laughs> reason is and ought only to be the slave of the passions. Completely opposite oh of St. Thomas gosh. Aquinas, who says the intellect and will, the higher faculties, are supposed to master exactly. the passions and make your passions your slave to the intellect. Completely opposite of Catholic moral thinking. Continue, Jess, because this is amazing. The three authors, <laughs> all admirers of the Enlightenment, yeah. are not so rash as to deny reason, but rather they seek to transcend exactly. reason. So the book's message is pretty clear. Yeah. That modernity has reached, quote, the partial end of the postulated superiority of human reason, close quote. So in other words, mm-hmm. AI, artificial intelligence, will usher in a, quote, form of logic that humans have not achieved or cannot achieve exploring aspects of reality we have never known and may never directly know, close quote. This goes against Catholic teaching. The, 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 <laughs> the, the documents of the Catholic Church, in Vatican one was very clear. Absolutely. Is that we can know God by reason alone. Exactly. And that every person, the reason, uh, the moral conscience is where God speaks. That's the sanctuary where God speaks to every human. Now, you can block the voice of God through your hardness of heart, but that's where God speaks to us. They want to transcend reason. Reason is so powerful that the Bible says about the second person of the Blessed Trinity that the world be, the word became flesh. The Greek word is the world became logos. The word logos and reason are synonyms. God is logos. God is reason itself. And so for us to say we want to transcend reason, this means that they want to transcend God. The article says, the, usher, the authors reassure readers that traditional reason and faith will persist, so they're throwing us the bone, will persist in the age of AI. Mm-hmm. However, AI will transform all realms of human experience. Here, here it is. Even altering free society and free will. That's powerful right there. That says it all. This is what they want to do. They want to alter your free will. Beyond the limits of reason, life will organize itself augmented by artificial intelligence, prompting, quote, many or even most humans to retreat into individual, filtered, customized worlds, close quote. 
although not yet popularized at the time of the book, uh, the book's writing, one can already see the AI-generated metaverse of absolute freedom and imagination coming. The world will see a shift from the centrality of human reason to the centrality of human dignity and autonomy. In other words, choices, not reasons, will dominate. Repeat that one. I'll repeat it. Choices, not reasons, will dominate. That says it all there, right there. Free will that God has given to us as individuals and created by God, they're trying to take that away. Choices, not reasons, will dominate. Through through technology, Terry. Exactly. Through through technology, again, they've been planning this for decades. Yeah. Uh, The second point that should concern Catholics is history through filters. Right. The second revealing point is the book's evolutionary model of history with its attacks on, (coughs) guess who? The Catholic Church. Of course. The authors show little originality by adopting a modern classical narrative of a history without God. Mm Mm-hmm. Thus, they describe history as periods when people perceive reality through different filters. The polytheistic societies in the ancient world, for example, explain reality through its pantheon of mythological gods. Then the Middle Ages reduced to a world where everything was only to be known through God, theology, filtered and ordered individuals' experiences and the natural phenomenon before them. Subsequent periods, like the Renaissance, the Protestant Revolution, and especially the Enlightenment, filtered reality, here's what they want, Terry, through individualism and reason. Oh, yeah. This is what Father Ripperger and Kyle Clement, the guys from Liber Crystal, called Luciferian thinking. Mm-hmm. Luciferian thinking, it's basically, I see the world through my filters, what what makes sense to me, my truth, what feels good to me, not the way God sees. Father Ripperger describes reality as God. God is reality. So everything must be seen through the eyes of a God-centered universe. And if you're not looking at it that way, you're going to go off the rails. See, Jesse, we constantly say this here at Virgin Most Powerful. We have a biblical worldview. And what they're doing is a man-centered view. With AI, that, that AI is taking the place of God. Let's hit the third point, Jess, if we can. Confiding in a godlike intelligence. Mm-hmm. The third point is an ominous, is an ominous dependence on AI. Unknown consequences, indeed. The book speaks more, more through what uh, through what it omits. The text constantly asks probing questions about AI's implications, to which the reader suspects the author's know the answers the authors add urgency to accepting the upcoming age by exploring ai's impact on international relations and global security that's going to affect us the very real threat of cyber warfare is in some ways more dangerous than nuclear weapons thus the authors invite world leaders to come together urgently their insistence that the public embrace not resist this unknown cyber future takes on the note of a veiled threat. In other words, you better play marbles with us or else. (laughs) And these are our marbles, by the way, and we'll tell you how to play with them. (laughs) So this leap into the unknown is made worse because the public is asked to embrace an AI future that has yet to define its organizing principles, its moral precepts, 
or its sense of aspirations and limitations. In other words, Terry, there's a big question mark as to who's behind this AI and what their end game is. And guess what? I don't trust secular humanists as far as I can spit, Terry, especially when they control the levers of power. Jesse, just to add to this article, it's not in the article, but Elon Musk's neurology link wants to embrace microchips into people's skulls and get robots, robots to perform brain surgery. Okay, so this is the technology. They really believe that this, that, that we can replace God. We have got a better idea. Sick. I want people to be aware of it. And thank you, Jess. That was a great article. When we come back, we're going to chat. Yeah, yeah, no, we still got one more segment with that article. We got, we're going to, we're going to, we'll take it before we get, that's a good point. We got one more segment on that. And then we've got news on a top doctor. And then don't forget, we've got Michael Voris from Church Militant, the fourth segment. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. So what's wrong with AI for us as Catholics? Well, point number three, here's what's wrong, is that AI, uh, they're trying to play, replace God with AI. And secular humanists, want to confide in a godlike intelligence that they call AI. So without understanding AI, humans are expected to, d- to defer to it in an ever greater degree in matters of, an, of ever increasing magnitude. The non-tech savvy majority will be exposed to such overwhelming processing power that some may be tempted to treat AI's pronouncements as quasi-divine judgments delivered by this, you know, fake godlike intelligence with a superhuman way of knowing the world and intuiting its structures and possibilities this almost magical resolution of problems by ai leads the authors to speculate that the cold industrialized world will experience a reenchantment with ai delivering oracular pronouncements what does that mean in pagan religions they always had these medicine men or these sages that they called oracles. The Greeks had them. The Egyptians had them. And people would go to these witch doctors. This is what they are, these shamans. And they would say, what does the oracle say? <laughs> That's what's going to happen with these AI. Because most people in America are not Christian any longer. They're secular humanists. So the, the left is looking for an international magisterium for mankind. Exactly. The AI, the, the, the leftist scientists, yep. dictators are going to use AI, Terry, yep. to promote an international magisterium to answer all human questions. Yeah, you know, Dr. Peter Kreef, he said that AI is impossible because it lacks the free will to make free and therefore moral choices. That's what this article said. That's a philosopher. But again, I, I'm going back to we're replacing God. We're trying to really... Uh, have through artificial intelligence that we never die, that we, uh, we don't have to, we, we make our choice. In other words, there's a song they sing in hell. Hmm. It's good. I did it my way, and that's what they're doing. It. They're doing it their way. There's a song they sing in heaven. I did it his way. We, the world biblical view is the way 
here at Virgin Most Powerful, the Catholic Church teaches this AI is about as secular as it gets. That's right. Something that we missed on, 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 on the second point, history through filters, yeah. was this, this uh, paragraph where it says, the new filter will be AI. The age of AI fits neatly into this evolutionary, secular, and fatalistic vision of history without God. Great sentence. Yep. The authors do not celebrate or bemoan AI, but only announce its inevitable march to change. What do they want to change? Human thought, human knowledge, human perception, and human reality. Of course, this vision uh, contrasts with the church's non-fatalistic notion of history by which all work out their salvation with fear and trembling. The church is not just another filter amongst many. The church is the pillar and foundation of truth. Likewise, historical periods are influenced by events, people's virtue, and God's grace. They're not determined by AI evolutionary filters, Terry. Well said, Jess. This article is outstanding. And again, they can get it either on Jesse Romero's website or Virgin Most Powerful on the show page because this is something that's coming. It's not, it's not science fiction. This is here. Yeah, the, the article, they write, this caricature of divine providence mm -hmm. can prove to be a monstrous tool yep. in the hands of evildoers and rogue nations. What a powerful of line. Of course it could. A monstrous tool. Yeah. In the hands of evildoers and rogue nations. Yep. Terry, I'll just uh, say it. AI is a godless uh, system that's being built by godless technocrats. And this is all the work of the Antichrist. Yep. Yep. Very well said. Jess, do you have any more on that topic? Because I want Yeah, I just want one more thing. Pope Benedict, I, I got an old, a quote from him where he Let's could get wait, wait in. Yeah, yeah, he did. Okay. Pope Benedict, and you'll see, I'm going to just connect it with this AI article. Sure. Pope Benedict said that we're entering into a new Tower of Babel. Yeah, there you go. And so I, I believe that AI, this is the new Tower of Babel. We can reach heaven without God. We can reach perfection without God. Here's what Pope Benedict said uh, in 2002. Okay, 2002. It was a, it was a Pentecost homily. He says, but what is Babel? It is the description of a kingdom in which people have concentrated so much power they think they no longer need or depend on a, on a God who is far away. Humans believe they're so powerful they can build their own way to heaven in order to open the gates and put themselves in God's place. But it's precisely at this moment that something strange and unusual happens. While they are working to build the tower, they suddenly realize that they're working against one another. While trying to be like God with their technology, they run the risk of not even being human because they've lost an essential element of being human, the ability to agree, to understand one another, and to work together. Then it finally says, Progress and science have given us the power to dominate the forces of nature, to manipulate the elements, to reproduce living things, almost to the point of manufacturing humans themselves. In this situation, praying to God appears outmoded, pointless, because we can build 
and create whatever we want. We don't realize we are reliving the same experience as the Tower of Babel. Pope Benedict XVI. Well said, Jesse. I just want to squeeze this in before we bring Michael sure. Horace on. Because yeah, sure. it's important. This is a top doctor. His name is Dr. Marty McRae, a professor at the St. John Hopkins University School of Medicine. He wrote this in the Wall Street Journal. He maintains that employees who lost their jobs for refusing the jab were unjustly fired. I could say concur. I agree with him totally on that. Public health officials ruined many lives by insisting that workers with natural immunity to COVID-19 be fired if they were fully, without, weren't fully vaccinated. But after two years of accruing data, the superiority of natural immunity over vaccination is clear. So by firing a staff with natural immunity, employers got rid of those least likely to infect others. In other words, Jesse, mm. the science caught up and they pointed out that this was uh, uh, your natural immunity is far greater than any vaccine. And I think it's true. I think that it's time to call them out. And I, I mean, you know, this has gone uh, viral now. Many people are saying, wait a minute, what about all those people that lost their jobs? They got to get those back. I mean, look at the firemen, the policemen that lost their jobs. Look at the effect that it had on their family because they wouldn't compromise. So I just think that it's time that many of us stand up and say, yes, let's give these guys their jobs back. We were wrong. I know it's hard to say that to the medical profession. We were like Fonzie, you know. No, you were wrong. Let's just call it for what it is. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, Terry, there's even, again, there's even a, a top doctor. His name's Dr. Marty yeah. McCary. Right. Uh, he, he's a professor at John Hopkins University School of Medicine, so That's he's, right. no, he's no. no lightweight. No. This top doctor, Terry, he's calling on all employers yes. to reinstate unvaccinated workers Please. and apologize for firing them. And so uh, this doctor is putting himself out there. Uh, he, he wrote an article that came out in the Wall Street Journal. He maintains that employees who've lost their jobs for refusing the jab have been unjustly fired. He's asking employers to reinstate their employees without an apology. Yeah, this guy's... He's putting himself out there, Terry. And he's not getting paid to do that. You know what he's going to do, Jesse? His reputation is going to be sunk because he stood up for the unvaccinated people. Yeah, for the, for the little guy, too. Yep, yeah, yep. for the little guy. Also, one more thing I want to mention, just kind of more about earthly news, leaving heaven and coming to earth for a bit. Yeah. Is, Terry, many people are not happy with uh, <clears throat> unelected Joe Biden. You think? You got the, you got, and, and God bless these, these are some, Again, there's always good people everywhere, Terry. There's good politicians as well. When somebody says they're all bad, I say, you know what? You need to have your brain checked. That's that's called the that's called the error of overgeneralization. It's a thinking error that uh, you know the great minds of the church have told us. You have to. You can't over. It's like saying again, you know, all Mexicans are short or something. That's a stupid statement. You know, you just can't overgeneralize. All cops are bad. So. There are two New York Republican lawmakers, Nicole Maliotikas and Claudia Tenney. They're calling for Biden's impeachment after it's been revealed factually that he's been illegally smuggling migrants into this country. And this uh, Nicole Maliotikas, this New York Republican lawmaker, uh, said that aiding and abetting illegal immigration violates the law. And, uh, and this is coming from the President of the United States. This is unacceptable. In fact, the Supreme Court has ruled that he has to instate Biden, that he has to reinstate the remain in Mexico policy, and he's clearly not done that. 
uh, these New York lawmakers that are Republican are saying that the president's primary obligation as the commander in chief and president of the U.S. is to enforce our laws, exactly. live up to his oath, enforce our borders, and tell the truth to the American people. And guess what, Terry? He's doing none of that. And I would good, add, good for these two policies. Absolutely. I'd also add protect the innocent. Okay. Yeah. This is unbelievable. And it's all video. We've seen all the videos. And you know what's interesting, Jesse? Very few networks are even talking about this. Why not? It's a it, fact. Church, church Militant Evening News talks about it all, yeah, all the time. time. Yeah, we talk f- about it. Yeah. yeah you bring Harry. up Church Militant. Well, we yeah. got three stories with Michael Vorce coming on. The second one is about your Diocese of Phoenix. And I, I bring this up just a real quick point, Jesse. I mentioned it last week that... We had some problems with the seminary where transgender women were acting like they're men trying to get into the seminary. And the bishop in Milwaukee said, be careful of that. Even if that person was ordained a Catholic priest, it wouldn't be valid because she's a woman. So what would happen is, let's say all the baptisms or anything else that went on from this transgender person, it would all have to be redone, whether it's a consecration to host, mm. all that. So we have to be careful and be very precise with our theology and what's happening is it's getting out of hand so michael Vorce will join us with church millen talk about the three stories that are coming up on their news channel you won't want to miss that you're listening to the terry and jesse show and by the way i just saw matt arnold pop into our studio a his show is coming up right after our show ends stay with us family we'll be right back after a short break Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. I always look forward to our strength and honor segment with Michael <laughs> Voris with news on the faith and culture. Uh, he's replaced everything that I used to watch for 25 years. His uh, evening news has replaced that. Michael, thank you. Welcome to the show. Talk to us what's going on in the culture and in the church. How you doing, guys? Thanks Great. very much. I, lo- I love the guys. We need to hire you guys to be like Church Militant PR. <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> we'll send you the hey, check. Uh, you know, yeah, don't, don't pay us. Hey, hey, just offer a mask for me. Exactly. That's all I want, dude. The blood of Jesus. Give me a mask. <laughs> amen. Amen. Well, one of the stories we're going to be talking about tonight, look, the, the COVID narrative continues to crumble. There's obviously a new report out right now saying the lockdowns are you know, completely worthless. Uh, mass, I mean, all of it is beginning to crumble, which is why at this very moment, uh, you know, uh, unelected fake Catholic Biden's giving a press conference on cancer. Well, what about COVID? You know, so anyways, putting a cancer team together uh, to, you know, whatever, create a political smokescreen to try to get yeah. out of, weasel out of the COVID narrative as much as possible. Deflect, in Quebec, deflect. Yep. Yeah, deflect. In, in Quebec, the uh, uh, premier there, uh, Francois Legault, actually like rescinded the whole notion of taxing people who were unvaccinated. This just came down. Wow. And uh, it, kind of a stupid idea because of the great, huge, stupid idea just in and of itself. But uh, he got tremendous pushback from it. You know, and you look at Canada, they got the convoy going on. They've got all the, you know, those people are, you know, gathering every time Justin Trudeau went somewhere, uh, you know, pushing back against him while he's running, uh, you know, running for his, uh, you know, premier. Uh, you look, continue to look at all of this and, you know, their walls are closing in on their little COVID narrative, which is they're kind of wounded animals at yep. this point, which is why, you know, they always say last thing you want to be dealing with is a wounded, frightened animal because you, they're, they're unpredictable and they're vicious when they come back. But that said, it's still a very good thing that's going on that uh, 
uh, you know, this is, and of course, you know, Quebec with its, you know, uh, uh, Catholic roots, not so much anymore as far as its practice, but its Catholic roots, the pushback against all of this in all places, Canada, you know, we've got quite a good group of Canadian friends we're always joking with, and you guys are the most mellow people on earth, and yet they're here they are by the tens of thousands lining the streets all over the place. So it's further good news. Now, what's interesting from a Catholic point of view, there's no collapsing any of this. They're not undoing the, the COVID narrative in the church. Matter of fact, they're pushing it even harder. So it's like, what guys, are you listening to what's going on out in the world? Well, the answer, of course, is no. They haven't listened to what's gone out in the world for the last 50 or 60 years. But to think that you know they're still telling seminarians, if you don't get vaxxed, you can't get ordained. We're not going to let you into seminary unless you've gotten vaxxed, triple, you know, triple vaxxed, 25 boosters, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you, know, you have to wear masks to get into masks. I mean, all of this stuff. The whole world's narrative is collapsing, and yet the church, from Rome on down, is still pushing this as though people are just dropping dead all over the place. So it's an interesting uh, observation of what's kind of going on right now vis-a-vis -vis the church and the world with COVID being the flashpoint. And you know, Pope Francis is still pushing that, oh, this Catholic fact-checking thing. We, did, we broke that story last week on the, uh, or maybe it was earlier Monday, I can't remember, in the last few days, uh, that he's supporting uh, the Alatea, uh, you know, fact-checking consortium where anybody who says anything negative about the COVID narrative is canceled, attacked, and you know, particularly inside the church. So the question is, why are they so? Why is Pope Francis? Why are the bishops? Why is the hierarchy so so pro-COVID narrative when even the people who are pushing this for two years? are now backing away from it. You know, the UK, Denmark, I mean, all over the place. You know, Ireland, they just opened it up. I mean, everybody everywhere is going, okay, I guess we've kind of screwed up on this, uh, or at least that's how they're trying to get out of it, saying they screwed up. Uh, but not Catholic leaders. They're just as gung-ho as though this were, you know, April of 2020. Michael, maybe some of your older readers will remember Happy Days in Fonzie. He could never <laughs> say, sorry. I made a mistake. I'm, 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 and right now, that's what I see the church and the world, because I got a report here. Seven out of 10 Americans agree. We got to move on. Stop the restrictions and let's move on. Who's yeah, listening? Just, they've just accepted COVID as a thing here to stay. Uh, you know, kind of like the common cold. Yeah, you know? yeah. Very, very ill people or people who have, you know, they're the elderly or they have, you know, five or six comorbidities and they get it, they're going to die. That's unfortunate, obviously. But, you know, first of all, everybody has to die. And secondly, how shocking is it that people who are in very poor health, for whatever reason, uh, get something uh, that's respiratory in nature, and they die from it? I mean, that happened to my own father. He died from pneumonia. Yep. Uh, so it's, I mean, this is just what happens in the world. Well said. What about another story? Well, well let me just mention something. Uh, my, my, we know You've been doing some great reporting on this. You have Michael Hitchborn. Yep. Uh, LifeSite News has done reporting. It's follow the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. This is why you have a lot of the successors of the apostles. Uh, they're still hardline and hard-nosed about all this, this uh, COVID restrictions. is because they want the bacon to still come in their diocese. Because guess what? It's not coming in the collection plate. The numbers are waning, especially they've been waning under Pope Francis's papacy like we've never seen before. But they don't care because they get money from the uh, Biden administration and from the, and from the medical dictator Fauci. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to note long before COVID was ever even heard of in the general public anyway, 
the uh, Wednesday general audience numbers in St. Peter's Square for Pope Francis were just tanking. I mean, they were tanking as much as you know Biden's poll numbers are now. Uh, faithful <laughs> tourists would show up and kind of look around and whatever, but that whole sort of zealous approach to the faith when Benedict would give his uh, Wednesday audiences or Sunday Angelus uh, and certainly John Paul. I mean, you couldn't get into St. Peter's Square when they were there. You see some of these shots now, again, prior to COVID. This is not because of all right. the COVID restrictions. That, you know, faithful Catholics are just, you know, Pope who? I mean, that's really the attitude now. Michael, I want to get the other two stories in. So this di- give us the, the story about the Diocese of Phoenix. This is incredibly important. Yeah, I mean, thousands of yeah, that's Catholics important. there. Are, it's, I, I mean, somebody screwed up because this priest was baptizing people incorrectly, Catholics incorrectly, using the wrong formula, and now all of those baptisms are invalid. So they're having to go back and uh, they're having to go back and uh, you know find all of these people. Rebapt. You know, I mean, that, I mean that's got to be an awkward conversation. <laughs> Now, by the way, you're not really Catholic, and so we need to, we need to re-baptize you, although they were never correctly baptized to begin with. Michael, uh, are, you, are you at liberty to say what who, what priest was this? Is he dead or I, is he still around? Uh, I actually don't know the answer to that question. Okay. I'm checking, but, checking but, my ma- notes right Michael, here. Michael, I, I know for a fact that this is not an isolated case. I know that no. for a fact, brother, because I've seen... I've actually seen videos of other priests saying that, you know, we baptize you. It was really common back in the 70s and 80s, right? Oh, it was Guys? completely off the charts. And we had a case here in Detroit, yeah. uh, I think it was about a year or two oh, ago, where a priest— I remember. A, a priest yeah. was, I don't know, he was sitting with his mom and dad or something, and yes. they pulled out the old, you know, Video. let's bring your grandma's videos yeah. out. Yeah. And they're looking at the film, and he's <laughs> looking mean, at himself being baptized as a baby. That's right, incorrect. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's not, he, I wasn't baptized correctly. Yep. Oh, man. And so I he went through that. all the sacraments, he got ordained, ordained, although he didn't get ordained. No, he didn't. He went through the ceremony. And the dice, archdiocese here in Detroit, of course, was one of the most pro-gay things. You're they're always worried about climate change and immigration and everything else. Dudes, you're supposed to get the sacraments you right. You think? That's your job. You <laughs> worrying about man-made climate change. Exactly. And they had to contact everybody of course. that had come to him as a priest and say, well, he actually wasn't a priest, so your masses weren't valid, your baptisms weren't valid, you're married, nothing. Yeah. Absolutely it's nothing. It's a mess. Like start over with scratch from him. It's a mess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, hey, when, when you get the name of that priest, go ahead and text it to me or put it out on your on your evening channel. This this has to be made public. That name, ha- that he, you need to know who this guy is. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I'm pretty sure the name is public. I just don't have it in my notes here, but that's okay, fine. Yeah, it. we will absolutely. Obviously, we're treating it in evening news tonight. So, okay, Michael. Um, last story. We got two minutes about Scotland. Let's talk about that because that's incredible. They're going to outlaw <laughs> praying for people who are, you know, gender confused, same sex attracted. Okay, all time out. Time out. Out. Law. That's crazy. Unbelievable. It's just, it's almost like, can, can you believe it, folks? And more and more of this is coming out uh, throughout the world. Michael, your network, uh, your news network's on at four o'clock. Is that East Coast time? Uh, four o'clock your time, oh. seven o'clock our time. That's it, seven o'clock your time. Okay. You know what? This is this is what we call the thought police. Not only, <laughs> not only do we have the speech police right now. The, with the cancel culture, now this is Scotland. It's called the thought police. You can't even think of formulating a prayer for somebody who's struggling with homosexuality or, or lesbianism. Mike, this is incredible. Yeah. 
This is the world we live in now. This Michael, is, one, one more. What happened? Yeah, yeah. One more quick yeah. note. We had a story about transgenders in the seminary are wanting to be ordained. Yeah, and I, I was saying that if they get through, as Bishop of Milwaukee was saying, hey, uh, be aware of that. There's women in, in the seminary that are acting like men, but they're not. even if they do get ordained, it's invalid, okay? So it's not going to happen. But I could see, unless we go back and straighten out these things, they, this is opening, a, uh, opening up a can of worms. Am I on to something? Oh, no, I absolutely think you are. Uh, look, Terry, if you, if you, if you ordain somebody, somebody sneaks through, yeah, yeah. May, may, maybe it's just their, you know, they think they're doing something good for Christ and the church, maybe yeah. they're at a plant, whatever the case is. Yeah. However you get from, you know, biological woman to, yeah. you know, looking and appearing like a man and getting ordained, everything that happens in that case is completely invalid. Amen. What if you don't know? What if this he, she, whatever you call it, moves on through, you know, 25 years of priesthood, although it wouldn't be priesthood. Nope. And everybody is going thinking, I mean, you know, it's, well, it's essentially the same story as Phoenix. It's not a transgender thing, it's, right. but, you know, it's what has emanated from that priest in Phoenix is, uh, is falsity and, you know, the appearance of sacrament, but it wasn't there. Well, that would be the same thing here, except the, the, transgendered guy, woman, girl thing, whatever, would not have been a priest, so nothing. It's not like yeah. he you know, was validly ordained and saying the right words, or saying the incorrect words. He's just not validly ordained. He, she, whatever, is not validly ordained. Michael, so, can I just... Yeah, again, I, why aren't yeah. the bishops concentrating? Exactly. How is this stuff happening? Yeah, Michael, I want to give a plug to your resistance out in Florida. Can you tell us uh, just a little plug for our, our listeners, please? Happy to. Yeah, we have the uh, resistance boot camp. And what the boot camp is... Uh, it's last weekend in Tampa, last weekend in Tampa, Florida, February, last Good. weekend of February in Tampa, Florida. And the whole point is just train you up. How can you start fighting back all this garbage in the church? Hardcore, solid talking points, what to do, you know, calls to action, all of it. Michael Vorst, Church Militant, thanks for joining us here at Virgin Most Powerful. We're partnering with you because we believe in what you're doing, brother. God love you. God bless, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks. Wow, Jesse, every night, this is like stories out of the, out, you know, it's hard to believe, but they're there. Every night on Church Well, Terry, th this is my new news source now. I, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't look at the other news channels as much as I used to. I look yeah. at Church Militant Evening News. Yeah. yeah. Just final thought, what state should we be living in, brother? State of grace, don't live in a state of mortal sin. Pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful, and God will hear our prayers. Let's pray America great again. And remember, Our Lady said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray for them. Let's do that. Let's make prayers and sacrifices for the salvation of souls. Up next, Matt Arnold here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. <laughs> 